to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. So, working definition, which is what is the corporate move of God. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. It's when there is a move of God that extends beyond one man having a private experience to everyone having an experience which is meeting a divine corporate goal but still touching lives in a personal way. I want you to picture that. It's, it's one thing to come to church and... There's somebody over there who experienced God and there's somebody this side who didn't experience much. And there's somebody who says, and, and, and you know there are those times, even sometimes as preachers, we say one or two things that may... Um, the move of God that extends beyond one man having a private experience. So it's one thing for someone to have a private experience. One person has received a touch the other person not really. And if we're to go in the scriptures, whoa. Let me show you one. There are moments in the Bible where there was such a move of God that it was not about one person having experience, but it was everyone. How many of you remember the woman with the issue of blood? And the interesting thing about it, if you can find it, I think it's in Matthew, should it be Matthew 8? Because Matthew 8 is where we see a lot of healing. But I just want to show you guys something where it just moves from a private experience to a communal one. And in case you didn't know, that's the whole point of testimonies. It's for someone's private experience to become everyone's experience. That's also the whole point of teaching the word. That's also the whole point of sharing visions, dreams, encounters. It's for that. Let's start. Let's start. I'm being very slow as we've begun because I really want us to get it. So I want us to see something. Um, In the book of Matthew... There are two portions of scripture we're going to look at. Okay, wonderful. I found the one I was looking for. 
Matthew 14. Now, if you remember earlier, there is a woman who had an issue of blood. She was in a crowd of people, but she had a private experience with God, which is that she determined in her heart that for her, a touch from Jesus was not just going to be an ordinary one. And I think I'm a bit too loud. She determined in her heart that, a pri that her experience with God was not going to be public. It would be private. And she touched the hem of his garment. Jesus says, who touched me? And then, if you observe the conversation in that portion of scripture, Peter and the others say, Lord, we're in a crowd. Everyone's touching you. But Jesus says, no, this one, there was something, something that happened. There was a private experience that she got by virtue of touching me. So she was in a corporate place, but had a private experience. And that's very necessary. However, we see something. I'm not sure if word spread concerning that healing. But we see something very interesting in Matthew 14. And look at verse 34. The Bible says, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret. That should be in a Bible quiz. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick. Meaning there's something they recognized about him. Testimonies must have spread about him. Look at the next verse. And begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garments. A story must have spread about what that woman did. Such that it was now a thing that if we can only touch the hem of his garment, something will happen. Then look at what it says. And it says, And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. This time it moved from being a private experience to being a corporate one. That's why I gave the working definition that I gave. Where it moves from being one man's experience to being everyone's experience. We are going somewhere. Any testimony you ever hear is an opportunity for something private to become public. Every sermon we teach is an opportunity for something private to become public. There's a reason why we don't just sit at home, but we actually come together and worship together. There's a reason why it's not just a personal relationship. As much as we define it as personal, we have to remember that Christianity is very corporate. It's very corporate. It says the government shall be upon his shoulders. It says we are one body. It says we've been baptized into one spirit. So there is something very corporate about Christianity that people who've not understood that, there's usually something they're lacking and something they're missing. Let's continue. So now, we are looking at experience in a corporate move. Now, the aim of this, in the context of this lesson, is that we want every meeting we have, every Sunday service, every Wednesday service, every ministry meeting, every cell meeting, foundation class, uh, FTIM, I, was, I should have said NSCM. So, NSCM, FTIM, departmental meetings, every manner of meeting, campus meetings, we want a corporate move. We don't want meetings where 
we want where if a person did not give their life to Christ, they were just stubborn. Where if, no, seriously. Where there is no one bound who lives bound. Where heaven will give testimonies about those meetings. Either for or against you. Just pray that for you, it's for you. No, do you know Jesus said, the words that I speak will rise up in judgment. And he said, for some of them, it's not the words, it's the works. Meaning there's something they experienced, there's something they saw. Do you ever remember Jesus saying, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the miracles you had seen, they would have repented. Meaning if there was a corporate move in Sodom, there was no corporate move in Sodom. It was private. It was, it was a lot. If there was a corporate move in Sodom, according to Jesus, they would have repented. <laughs> and according to Jesus, Sodom would have been standing today if there was a corporate move. But instead, there was a private one. Only a lot. So our aim is for the ministry to have a perpetual corporate move and then we'll also teach you then how to go spread out a move to different places. So let's continue. That's why, in, is it uh, next week, not this week, but next week we're having seven days of fire. No. I just want to show you a few examples of corporate moves in the Bible. Now, in Exodus chapter number three, we see that Moses had an encounter with uh, God and he had a private experience. Then we see that Moses is sent to tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me. And we observe that God's intention was to have a nation of priests I don't know if you've read in the scriptures. It says, you shall be a special treasure to me. You shall be a nation of priests. That's what he wanted, a nation of priests. Now, God decides to meet this nation. And I want you to see Exodus 19, verse 16. So God tells Moses, saying, prepare the people, consecrate them, sanctify them. It will be one of the points we'll bring up later on why consecration is important for a corporate move. So it says, prepare the people because I'm going to move in a few days. And the Bible says on the third day, this is Exodus 19 and verse 16. It says, then it came to pass, 1913, no, 1916 actually. So it says, it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Let's go on. Verse 17. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Let's go on. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Let's go on. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Everyone saw this. Everyone experienced this. It wasn't limited to Moses' own private experience. Everyone saw this. 
I don't know what it did to Joshua seeing this. I don't know what it did to Caleb seeing this. But everyone saw this corporately, and yet it was still personal. There's something about when something happens corporately. Some years ago, I was jogging. You know how we like to keep fit. And I started seeing like a white shadow behind me. So I'm like, is this my shadow? Let's just say I went back home. And I started feeling like I'm being watched the entire time. I was feeling watched. And so I, everyone went to the room, so I, I remained doing my prayers. And I was feeling like I was watched. That day I was praying like this. I said, okay, God, this is getting freaky now. I've gone to sleep. I'm serious. That prayer session lasted five minutes. I went to bed. The moment I closed my eyes in bed, I entered a dream, and in the dream, somebody was seated, still watching me. like what do you want and then the person came and laid hands on me and the power of God moved on me mightily and no smile nothing it's like the person was sent on assignment no smile nothing and spoke a particular word with regards particular miracles that were going to start happening which then started happening now it was initially a private experience right but everyone got to have an experience of it they may not have had the dream i had but many saw the miracles and they experienced them however that's that that's okay that's good but there was a time i was with uh pastor daniel we we're just seated and we we're worshiping and the song we we're singing was savior except an edited version i think it went Thank you for hearing my humble cry. Because when your spirit you were pouring, you did not pass me by. That's what I was singing it. Then as we sang it, a light flashed in the room. Then we both looked at each other like, you just saw that, right? <laughs> and then you look at the bulb, and the bulb looked dim compared to what we saw. So suddenly it moved from being like one person to two. And then how many of you remember that meeting when we stayed the, the ministry when we were in the living room? How many of you were present that day? Where we, some of you were present, right? I've forgotten what happened. Some of you were in the bosom. <laughs> but all I remember, I don't remember what moment it was. We should have been having a, a worship moment. And then a light flashed in the room. It, what am I, why am I saying that? It went from a private experience to okay two people to everyone who was there seeing it. I'm just saying we can come to a place where there are more corporate experiences where no one can argue. Like, did you? Let's continue. Another public, or should I say corporate experience is Acts 2 verse 2. Can you believe I'm still introducing my introduction? And I'm already sensing the anointing like this. Acts 2, verse 2. Just take note of this. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house they were sitting. We'll go to this scripture a lot. Let's go on. 
and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them not one of them but each of them everyone had an experience and it says they were all not some not a few they were all filled with the spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now the interesting part is that their tongues were all different so everyone was having a personal experience but it wasn't a private experience and in essence it was a corporate experience keep going back to my working definition keep going back to it let me give you an example of a corporate experience acts chapter number 13 verse 2 it says as they ministered to the lord and fasted the holy spirit said who did he speak to if you read from verse 1 there was more than one person there it says there were teachers and prophets there and Paul and Barnabas were among them. Then it says as they ministered the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have set them for. And that's when Paul and Barnabas were ordained. Afterwards, have you noticed no one argued about Paul's apostleship? We are not even taught the means in which the Spirit spoke. Did they all have a vision? Did they all hear a voice loud? Did, did this one have an impression? This one has a vision? This one has a thought? This one has this? We're not even taught. All we know is that there was a corporateness about the way the Spirit of God spoke, that they all knew Paul and Barnabas were apostles. Somebody say glory. glory. Turn to your neighbor and say the corporate experience. The experience. Now, the first key to the corporate experience is being in one accord. And that's what we will focus on today. Being in one accord. So if you're if you writing, you can say one, being in one accord. Being in one accord. And then the rest of the points you can be saying A, B, C, D, E. Yeah. If you are privileged enough, who knows, I might send, few the, I might send the notes because they're very organized. So, being in one accord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I told you we'll be here a lot. Acts 2, verse 1. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. How many of you know what the day of Pentecost was? Okay. How many of you have no idea what the day of Pentecost was? Much Vedenga Chabi at Pentecost. How many have not lifted up their hands? Okay, Pentecost was the word Pentecost means fifty. Okay? And Pentecost was um, it was a feast. It was one of the major feasts, it was a celebration, and people from all nations would gather for this celebration. And so the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost and that's why people who believe in the baptism of the spirit in this manner are sometimes called Pentecostals. Okay? Yeah. The arguments about whether they are Pentecostal or they are not Pentecostal. I stopped participating in fruitless arguments. So let's go. When the day of Pentecost uh, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. It's not, how can I put it? There's a positive correlation 
between the fact that they were in one accord and the fact that they were all filled with the Spirit. It says they were all in one accord and in one place. Have you ever had moments where sometimes you find... Let me use Sweet Summit of Zion as an example. Have you guys ever had a moment before where in rehearsal, my God, as in the rehearsal cut, it was, it was, it was amazing. As in you can sense the presence of God. Daisy, I wanted to fall down. This side, Cindy had to be ushered. If it's Justin, the spirit of praise came upon him and the like. And then you come sing the same song on Sunday. And they're like, hey. <laughs> People of God, lift up your hands. And the part that tekad in rehearsal doesn't take her here. Sometimes the problem is not you. Sometimes. Sometimes the problem is not. Sometimes the difference can be that in the moment of rehearsal you were in one accord. That you find in church we are not in one accord. Sometimes that can be the difference. That's why sometimes somewhat you can enjoy a worship session more alone. Or if you meet the five of you to pray, you find the prayer session. Have you ever, like, yeah, the five of you, the prayer session is on fire. Yeah, 200 of you, it's dragging. Sometimes the difference is you're in one accord. Now imagine we get everyone to be in one accord. What will happen? And that's why, have you ever noticed the praise session? after I preach, is different. You know why? They've bought into it. They've bought it. Now imagine if they come to church, they've already bought into it. <laughs> Have you ever felt how the atmosphere feels? Let's say at Dominion Conference. People have come expectant. They've, people have decided, this is my meeting. So there's a way sometimes people are more cheerful then. And then if the next day are back here, Who's ever noticed sometimes if you have a conference on Saturday, sun, the next Sunday service, sometimes it's a drag. We have to push people because some of them are remembering the high. Or after a night of yonder, the next Sunday service. Because for meetings like night of yonder or let's say a crossover service, you don't have to motivate people to celebrate God at midnight. We don't know whether they're celebrating God, they're celebrating the new year, they're remembering that my mistakes they made and how they are still alive. I, I don't know. We don't have to motivate them much. <laughs> Observe, the first Sunday after crossover, not, go back and watch. Notice how during praise, some of you were not praising the way you were praising by midnight. Maybe it's not just sadness. Sometimes it's because we're not in one accord. I don't know if you're hearing me. Have you ever, has any of you ever been to a football game like live? Uh, when I was young, how many games did my dad would take me to a few games? I remember once watching Zambia beat Botswana 3 0 back in the day when we would win games much easier. Hopefully, <laughs> there will be changes. Um, I don't know if the calculators worked and we'll be in the Africa Cup, but I, I don't know. <laughs> That was going to be the ultimate bola na calculator. <laughs> I remember watching one. The biggest thing I noticed about the stadium was the oneness. The one accord. We really wanted to win. Then the other time I was taken to watch 
Zanako versus Kana Red Devils. And I've forgotten who used to play well, but there was a guy who they nicknamed Babo Brown. Not Babo Malitoli, but Babo Brown. Yeah. And he was like a bit big and he was very skillful. So when the game was going bad, everyone started shouting, Imwe, Vikeni Babo! I also stood up. Vikeni Babo! Vikeni Babo! And then <laughs> when the guy came in, every time our team had the ball, everyone would shout, Pera Babo! So even me, Pera Babo! Right now, if you had to ask me, I have no idea how he looks. I've got, I, I don't have any remembrance. All I know is that I wanted them to pass the ball to Babo. Who didn't even score. It ended new new. <laughs> but the biggest thing I admired is there was this one accord. This one accord. Praise God. And I'm telling you, when there's one accord in a place, there are certain things that just happen. Okay? There are certain things that just happen. Uh, let's see, what's some of the most one accord I've ever felt in Zambia? Sometimes things like elections are a bit polarizing because uh, some people are in one accord, the other people are in the other accord, then <laughs> there are fights that ensue. And, and so sometimes those periods are a bit polarizing because others are celebrating, others are not, I, I, and the like. It's a very hard time for me as a pastor because, on one hand, you're celebrating with this one, on the other hand, you're sad with this one, then it's a very difficult time, I tell you. And also, I just hope. For those in this ministry, maybe now I can say this, and even for those watching, I wouldn't be so impressed with you as Frederick if I ever heard you use terms like the 2.8, the 1.8. Some of that stuff would just end up dividing the nation. I hope you're hearing me. We're like 18 million, so <laughs> if we're going to keep saying 2.8, 1.8, that really won't work out. Let's just try and move forward. We can do so. Eh? Otherwise, you can grow bitter, you know? You can grow bitter. You can hate everything that feels 1.8-ish, or you can hate everything that feels 2.8-ish, and then you won't be a proper citizen of the nation. I hope you're hearing me. Yeah. And also, I think you're insulting another person's right to vote when you do that. So let's continue. <laughs> now, in the nation, for me, the most united I think I saw us. It's just that I'm not older, but probably when I read in the books, the stories I hear about independence... I can't imagine how Zambia was that day. And then, but generally, I think for those who are older here, you would agree that that feel kind of lasted for a while. I'm told Independence Day celebrations were crazy. Like everyone would feel united and all that kind of stuff. So some of us, the closest we ever got to it was when Zambia won the Africa Cup. <laughs> we who are younger, right? <laughs> yeah, and I remember that day because I was watching the penalties, my uncle was home as well and the like, and we were praying, fasting, and then, we were not fasting, and then the gentleman missed like the penalty that would have been the winning penalty, and in my head I was just thinking, here we go again, nearly there, almost doing it, and then the other guy missed, and then our guy like fell to the ground. I don't know how he scored, but he like fell to the ground, woke kicking. Somehow it entered. I don't now the thing is recently I had to go back and watch because I don't remember anything else afterwards because we all just like ran outside. <laughs> and interestingly, that's the day I met 
That's the, I used to see my neighbors all along. We never greeted each other. That day, so what's your name? <laughs> and then, of course, those who were a bit more champukad went or they were asked, we just reached the end of the road and remembered and came back home. And then, the next morning, I was going for work. And when I boarded the bus, I just wanted to pay for everyone, you know? I, I just wanted to pay for somebody else. And at work, we're all required to wear corporate dressing. So I put on my shirt, then I put on my Zambia jersey on top of my shirt. I just really just wanted to pay for everyone. And everyone was all smiles, greeting each other. I reached the workplace, and I found even my supervisor was in a Zambia jersey. I was like, yeah. And then the top supervisor was not... Um, Zambian by race, but he found it very interesting. So he told all of us, saying, okay, fine. I'll allow you guys to leave in the next hour or so under one condition. You'll make a circle and start dancing and singing your Chipolopolo songs. I think he found it intriguing. And KFC had just opened. He bought us KFC. Even when we danced that day. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is there was a corporateness about it. It was weird to not be happy in that moment. It was weird. Imagine we reach that place as a church. It's weird if a person is not praising. Like, we'll have to ask you, like, is there something wrong? <laughs> is there an issue? We are still going. So the first key is to be in one accord. Now, some people think being in one accord means you have the same feelings and the same thoughts. But allow me to read. Being in one accord doesn't mean they had the same thoughts and feelings. It means they put aside all differences and unanimously agreed to direct their time, their emotions, their prayers, and resources in a particular direction. Do you think that needs to go in the group as well? This is the point, eh? So being in one accord, let me just send it to media. Is somebody following me? So being in one accord doesn't mean all of us here like the color red. Or all of us here think this is better than that or that is better than that. It doesn't mean we have the same thoughts or feelings over everything. Some people may like it when we're loud. Others would, wouldn't mind if we were a little quieter. Others think we're too quiet. Can we just get loud? I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> but then when we put all differences aside and then unanimously agree to direct our time, our focus, our emotions, our resources in a particular direction, then we're in one accord. One of the things I always do whenever I'm resolving a dispute within the ministry is to try and see if the people are in one accord. Do you know that sometimes in the ministry you can have two people having a dispute, but really what they're not seeing is that they both want the same thing. For example, if they both want service to be excellent, so because they want service to be excellent, they've had a dispute over whether it should be a pink flower or whether it should be a blue flower. Whichever flower they go for, let them appreciate the fact that they both wanted service to be excellent. The moment they do that, there'll be less disputes. So I've sent it to media. Uh, give me an idea if we can have it now or if I can just move on.
Can we beam it? Okay, you, it will be beamed later. So now, in terms of being in one accord, I'm going to give us a few dimensions of it. So point number one of the corporate move was being in one accord. Then under being in one accord, A, I shouldn't have gone to teaching square. <laughs> under being in one accord, A, when we deal with personal issues. A, when we deal with personal issues. These are the things that aid us to be in one accord. A, when we deal with personal issues. I want you to imagine COL is represented by Okay, let's not use your as an example because we've got a very mixed thing. Let's just picture for a moment. Picture a church. We'll just use a random church because sometimes I don't like speaking these things over CO. So I want you to picture a church. And this church ideally has fifty families. Fifty families, meaning everyone in that church is somehow connected to the fifty families. Some have come as children. Others have come as husband and wife. Some are a cousin, some are a niece, some are ABCD. So let's say among the 50 families, there are 40 marriages. Then that Saturday before church, every husband and wife argued. We've not ended. Every husband and wife argued. And let's assume it was a petty issue, which just escalated. Then let's also assume in that period that of the 40 families, 20 don't like each other. There are 20 families of the 40 that don't like each other. So the night before church, all 20 families had something negative to say about the other 20 families. All 20 families had something negative to say about the others. But Tiva Ziva, this is this is this. That one this, that one this, the other one showed this one a screenshot, the other one showed this one this. Then among the kids, among the kids, there are like 30 of them who've had exes among each other. And they don't like each other. And that night before church, everyone sent each other a screen grab which is like making another person look bad. Then let's continue. Then between the kids and the parents, the kids are rebelling against them. Or in other cases, some are being provoked because the scripture shows us both dimensions. It says children obey, then it says parents don't provoke. Then, we've not even reached the pastor yet. <laughs> then from the pastor, they're like, 30 families who are offended at the pastor because they think he likes the other 20 families more. <laughs> then it's Sunday service. And when we reached the front, the person leading intercession was gossiped by half the families. How many of them will listen? The person leading praise and worship, there are 15 screen grabs already which were spreading about the first leader, another 20 which were spreading about the second leader, I don't know if somebody is getting what I'm trying to say. How will God... And then God gives a prophetic word 
to one of the people who is the most hated for somebody they also hate who also doesn't like them. How will that word be shared? If you're a pastor in that church, what would you do? What sermons would you preach? How will you build something together? Matthew 5, verse 23, 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, uh huh. leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. It's interesting. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Romans 12, verse 11. Not lagging in Jesus, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Uh-huh. Let's continue, please. If you can be a bit quicker. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continue steadfastly in prayer. Uh-huh. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Like all of us should be like that. Uh-huh. Bless those who persecute you, bless you and do not curse. Let's go on. Rejoice with those who rejoice, or weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Hmm. I need to do a study on that. Being wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, please, this verse, this verse should be our lifetime. If there's a verse as believers, we should meditate on every week, it's this one. In short, he's saying, if there's an unresolved discord, it shouldn't be because you never tried. So he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, you may not be best friends with all men. You may not have all men being the closest person in your life. But if you can at least have peace. Well, whatever needed to be said has been said. You've got no reason to... What word can I use? Like sometimes people fight without fighting. Like they've never said anything to each other. They've just told the whole world. That's not living at peace. Sometimes that's people's idea of living at peace. Or no, I never confronted them because I'm living at peace. But then you've told the whole world. That's not living at peace. Living at peace is if there is need for a sit down, have a sit down. If you don't think it's necessary, then, then, then don't go tell the whole world. What I'm trying to say is the easiest way that Satan will block a corporate move is to, is to either inspire or capitalize on issues among us. And then because we're human beings, issues are inevitable. They are inevitable, especially where growth is concerned. 
where growth is concerned, you may have to decide whether you want a graveyard or a kindergarten. A graveyard will always be quiet. There will never be issues among the one buried there and the one buried there. There will never be. But in the place of the living, the fact of the matter is human beings have been brought up differently. They think differently. They're exposed to different things. They've got different emotions. And at times, they'll see things very differently. To what extent can we deal with those? Ladies and gentlemen, if we want to see a corporate move of God, we must invest in being at peace. Notice he says, if it is possible. Meaning, if it hasn't happened, then the Lord will hold no one at fault for it because it just wasn't possible. Someone just refused. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with anyone, with everyone. Now, there's something I learned once which got me thinking. One of our members was uh, working at the hospital and I think they were accidentally exposed to something. In short, they got injured at the hospital. So they told me about it and then interestingly, they got treated at the hospital. The same hospital where they got injured is the same hospital where they got treated. I realized something about ministry is that sometimes you have to heal from the very place where you are injured. <laughs> That's the thing about this. How many of you have noticed that? The same place of your injury could be the same place of your healing. Because the interesting thing about a hospital is that you may be a worker there, but that doesn't mean you can't access services. Matter of fact, perhaps, perhaps from what I've observed, those who work at the hospital might even have easier access to some services. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, there's something that I noticed as a minister. It has happened more than once where some people are injured, maybe in another ministry, and the reason they've joined us is because they're injured and they think we are better than the other ministry. They don't last long. The moment you say one thing they don't like, they'll leave. And then usually, even where they go, they leave as well. They rarely settle. It's something I observed. It's something I observed. So if you came here because maybe you think I'm better than somebody else because where you were someone gossiped about you before. I don't know what you do if somebody here also does the same. If you've come here, let it be because you've got a revelation that this is a place where you have to grow. And you've decided that this is your place of your growth. Okay? That is the place of your growth. Your home for somebody learning how to walk is probably the place that would have fallen down the most. most of so what I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, is that if per adventure certain things have happened to you, even just within the house, do your best to forgive. Do your best to forgive. And the interesting thing is, you know, God is willing to work with you on it every day. I think sometimes forgiveness is like physio. Sometimes it's like every day. You have to, every day you have to do a session. Like, God... I forgive, I forgive. And that's how the healing happens as well. And then if you yourself know that you're the reason behind other people not enjoying church, 
apart from speaking to the Lord, if it is possible, have a conversation. Where you need to apologize, do so. Do so. I was correcting someone the other time. They broke up with someone for no reason. I was upset. I said, what manner of nonsense is this? I said, go apologize. Then I texted, have you apologized? <laughs> for what me the apology? Is this all you could say? No, I, no I, I'm being honest. Like, we have to be very deliberate, not just about our personal peace, but about trying to ensure that we're not really, we're not affecting other people's peace as well. Can somebody say glory? <laughs> now, you know what's interesting is when I speak of things like the corporate anointing, sometimes the points everyone is expecting is then when we come to church, we must all do our leg like this. Then when you shake it to the right, there are certain kinds of angels that move by shakings of the leg. And, and you know, that's where I've had challenges with, with mentorship. Can I just quickly show you one challenge I've had with mentorship? A lot of people who've come for mentorship have found me boring. Let me explain. <laughs> they found me boring. First uh, Corinthians 2 verse 4. I just want you to see this. They found me to be very boring in mentorship. <laughs> Are you one of them? He says, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but with the demonstration of the spirit and of power. So you find the majority of people, verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So you find I've had cases where the majority of people, they've met me when I'm in that mode, that mode of demonstrating the power. Maybe they met me at a conference. They met me in a service. That day I'm in my best outfit. I've come focused. The aim is to demonstrate the power of God a certain way. And so you find they've got a power introduction. But then they forget what verse 6 says. Verse 6 says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Meaning, mentorship is not really about, like they say, oh, you want, to, you want to minister like me, eh? You want to be like me. So every day, come to my house for four hours. I'll pray with you. Then in the fifth hour, I'll lay hands and give you my mantle every day. You guys, my mantle is not Can't someone's head go bold if you're touching it every day? And then when will you pray alone? They can take a seat. So sometimes people are expecting me to tell them, so for healing the sick, you do it like this, 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 this. Most of the times, study the epistles. The message of wisdom Paul spoke. He taught them who they were in Christ, but he also taught them how to live. So most of the time, the message of wisdom is how to live. Because I don't know, maybe it's because I've never had that session. You can never really teach a person how to see a vision. If God has given them the gift to be there, you can, maybe you can tell them one or two practices. You can't teach a person, no, you close your eye like this, then you'll see the vision like this. You can teach them interpretation. I've never taught a person, this is how you dream. You sleep on the left side. And then when you notice a dream is coming, you kick your, nothing, it doesn't work like that. Usually, Gifts are not usually mentored. They're just stirred up. If it's in you, it's in you. That's usually the, the, what, something I've noticed. But then the mentorship side of it is, okay, after you have prophesied, what next? 
after you've said this, what next? So, those who want mentorship from me, the biggest thing you should expect is questions. And I ask. Why are people laughing? I ask. I'll give you an example. If anyone, like, if I'm mentoring anyone, and they're dating, I'll ask you questions. Okay, so, they're dating, wonderful. When are you planning to marry? We've never talked about it. Oh, okay. Then, there I'll be gauging, firstly, are you at the right stage to, or, or what's this? No, I, I, I actually ask such questions, because, I've realized usually when something doesn't have a point, anything goes. When something doesn't have like a focus, it becomes, it just becomes a platform for anything to happen. So I'll ask such questions. Like, oh, that period, okay, what's the plan? Okay, and then how are you supposed to get there? Okay, and then ABCD. Okay. those to my photos I was seeing online. Why are you holding each other like that? and they're planning to marry in three years. What will you be doing by year two? I ask. No, I'm very serious. I ask. And I'm very deliberate about it. No, I saw photos of you guys at dinner. You always meet at 22. I'll ask. That's no. I'll ask. I would rather protect you. I won't tell you the questions I ask those who are married, but in this context, I ask. If I'm mentoring a person, I ask. Because it's a message of wisdom that they need, usually. Let me not say that. That I'll say in February. There's a meeting I'll say. I think, I think I'll give you, in, in one of those meetings, one of those February meetings, because what we're doing with the February, we're doing some demarcations. We'll deal with those who are single and on a ban. And I hope you are looking at my face. <laughs> then we'll deal with those who are single and ready to mingle. And like we'll have like different categories of meetings. And one of the things I'll share with you from both, I think my wife and I will be sharing and we'll get some wisdom where we can. But we'll, we'll talk about some of the red flags which are too red. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe we'll discuss what to do when it's not red, it's not green, but it's amber. No, have you ever noticed when driving that people react differently to the color amber? I'm one of those safe drivers who stops. There are others when amber is that orange, Ija, Ija, orange. The, don't worry, I also just learned. There are those drivers who, when they see it go orange, that is when they step their foot. <laughs> and then there are those who, when they see it go orange, for them it means slow down. The question is, in this area, what does it mean? So let's continue. <laughs> Let me give you one more point for today. Are you guys enjoying this, though? Now, let me show you one more. First Peter 3, verse 7. It says, husbands like wives. Notice it says, husbands... First Peter 3, 7. Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, it's talking about marriage, and interestingly, 
it's showing us that in a marriage, if there's dishonor, if there's arguments, if there's all those things, something happens to your prayers. Now, meaning we can apply this to everything else. It would be very difficult to sit down and say, let's agree together as a family over that piece of land if the family is full of constant arguments. Ladies and gentlemen, there's still a scripture which says, blessed are the peacemakers. Some of us are not the problem, but we can see where the problem is. And some people here, you just don't know it, but you've developed such a voice of integrity in your family that you can be the one to unite them. Maybe that's your calling in that family. Because there are people here who know that without you, that family will crumble. Start planning how you will unite the family. Sometimes if you can't manage with the older ones, do it with the younger ones. Do it with the younger ones. If maybe you're not at the level. I'm not saying now go call the elders, no. Have you noticed that? No, if you're wise enough, if you're wise enough, have you noticed that there's always that elder you have favor with? Who you can suggest privately and she will talk as if, he or she will talk as if it's their opinion. Because it came from you. Do that if you have to. But imagine what would happen if those 50 families were talking about at that church the previous night all made prayers of agreement. They prayed for those in the ministry who they noticed were having a challenge. They prayed for that person who they heard had an issue or that person who made that mistake. They prayed for the pastor. They prayed for the service. Then they all came to church expectant. And then they look at the person leading praise and worship like, that's the person I was praying for last night. Come on. Come on. Do your thing. I don't know if you're getting my point. There would be something corporate about it. But guys, let me say that again. Some of us need to go sort out some things in families. There are some issues in families which you have been given grace to resolve. So pray about it. Try to look at one or two things. As far as it depends on you, try to keep that peace. We'll start having family answered prayers. The same way we've seen church answered prayers. And by the way, this is Africa. Sometimes you can start with small things. Just suggest uh, every night, can we just be saying a prayer to God together. Now, even if everyone doesn't want, out of Mawan, they won't refuse. For those who don't know what Mawan is, Mawan, okay, there is no English word that describes what Mawan really is. You can't say embarrassment. It's too light. <laughs> I hope you're hearing me. I remember in our family, there was a time I've forgotten who I think it was, mom and the others, they organized a prayer meeting for the family. I, I was wondering how it would work. Next thing I know, I, was set, I, I, I managed to go there. Then I found on the program that I was the speaker. <laughs> and they gathered all my grandmother's houses. And I think the one who recently passed away was the one who was interpreting for me. I don't know if we're saying the same things because his sentences were long. <laughs> His sentences were long. And I preached. Then the moment I was done preaching, I called an auto call. And the first person who came was my grandfather. And he comes and he says, and he says, no, no, you're not going to kneel before me. I'm the one kneeling. You're too holy. I can see. I've, I've, I've met priests. I've met pastors. I've met one. When I'm looking at you, I'm just seeing holiness. I'm not even joking and not private, in the presence of everyone, he went on his knees and asked me to bless him. It was a humbling moment. 
before I knew it, there was a queue. And it's something I've actually set as a, one of my resolutions this year. I hear anyone is not well, I'm driving there. That's what I've decided. Any of my family members not well. Uh-uh. <laughs> I've said this year, I am not, there are some things I'm not going to allow. Ha! No, not this year. This year they're messing with another person. <laughs> but I'm just saying, and also just being deliberate about praying for them. So ladies and gentlemen, yes, church is your family, but don't forget your biological families. God gave them to you for a reason, but God also gave you to them for a reason. Okay? So sometimes if they are being a challenge, remember that God also gave you to them for a reason. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> One more point very quickly. Will we manage? Okay, very quickly. B. Oh, that was A. So, ministry, talk to me nicely. This might be next month. Like in serious detail. Talk to me nicely. <laughs> Just talk to me nicely. We'll see. B. When believers actually gather. If you're ever joining virtually for service, it should be because you couldn't join physically for one or two reasons. But if you have an opportunity to be present, be present. That's something that I'll say. Are there any people here who come from as far as McKinney for service? Raise your hand. McKinney. You come from McKinney? You come from McKinney? Okay. Do you use the town bus or you just came? You just came. Wow. Um, Daisy, you come from Kafue, right? Sometimes even from midweek. Yeah. And it's only now that we've introduced something. Sometimes, you know, when I hear the excuses of someone who lives there, like where you throw a stone, like from here, and it can hit them right now. I woke up late. I think when I compare them to somebody who I know was setting up up to zero two, but still came. Sometimes I wonder, like, do we take it as other people are... I'll give you an example. Um... I think from the day we started COL, um, frankly speaking, one of the earliest people has always been Toko, right? One of the earliest. Usually top 10 among them. Except these days there's competition. The last time I was here, who was the earliest? I think it was more blessing. I think Cynthia, I think Michael. Who else was extremely? Lillian was very early that day. I'm trying to remember the rest. Who else was among the top 10 that day? I remember I wrote them down. <laughs> but then one time, I remember driving to, I was visiting their home. I was in shock at how far they lived. What am I trying to say? Let's take service seriously. 
there is a grace that's released just by being in attendance. Now, like I said, I believe grace abounds in difficult circumstances. So meaning if a person can't be present physically, the grace will abound virtually. But if a person can be present physically, like they 100% know, they just decided not to put their foot out because it was a little cold. I don't think the grace will abound as much. Maybe just by the mercy of God. Matthew 18 verse 20. Now I want you to understand this, that even without a reason, or even without deep revelation, there's something that happens when this happens. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. There is a glory that manifests simply because people have gathered in his name. What do I mean? The same lecture theater is used for lectures and people have gathered for a lecture. It's not, it's not often that you sense the anointing or the, the glory because you're gathered in the name of a lecture. The moment the lecture ends and there's fellowship in the same meeting and people start walking in and they've walked in for the purpose of honoring the name of Jesus. Notice the glory increases in the place immediately. Now, how many of you know this is an events place? So people can come here. Some people do all sorts of things. I remember once having, if you knew what people clean up, people clean up stuff here. Now, I remember once having a dream. As setup was taking place, I was seeing the people sweeping, and then I was seeing angels sweeping as well. Why? Because the moment people say, we've gathered in the name of Jesus, the place becomes consecrated. The place becomes holy. The place becomes divine. There is a glory, like by virtue of the fact that we all came here and we came here for church, there is already a one accord. That in itself is a dimension of one accord because we all came here for church. There is no one, unless I'm mistaken, I haven't seen anyone disappointed that, ah, we're even doing praise and worship. I've not seen anyone disappointed by the fact that we're preaching. Reason being, everyone here knows that we came for this reason. No one is disappointed when we say, say Amen. Because everyone here knows that we came for the purpose of gathering in his name. There is a glory that's just there like that. And sometimes that glory increases with numbers. I remember I was watching a Benny Hinn interview and he was being asked what increases the anointing sometimes. He's like numbers. Excitement and numbers. Like what? <laughs> he literally said that. Guys, you go to a meeting. <laughs> I don't know. Unless you're not a preacher. You go to a meeting where you thought there would be four. You find eight you have gathered. Where you had two points, you have four. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting my point. As in, am I the only one who thinks numbers are exciting? Do you know what an atmosphere, do you know that an atmosphere can be made richer just by numbers? Do you know the difference between three people singing and a hundred people singing? I'll give it, try to sing, sing hallelujah alone. <laughs> try to sing, sing hallelujah alone. Have you noticed that for songs like sing hallelujah, the glory is in the number of people singing it. Men, 
sing, sing hallelujah. Then the ladies, sing hallelujah. That's where the glory is. Hey! I've noticed that for me, that song, I actually rarely sing it alone. That one, the glory is in numbers. There is a glory about numbers. There is a glory about it. That's why I say, where two or three are gathered in my name. How much more 200,000? How much more 300,000? I don't know if you're getting my point. What manner of glory is released? Because think about it. For every three people that gather, do you remember when Jesus was talking about children? How many of you know that every child has an angel? According to the scriptures. Come on, we've read it. The Bible says there are angels are always before the presence of God in heaven, right? And of course, you know how to activate angels by the word of God. Now, I don't think the angels expire when you become an adult. As a matter of fact, they increase based on your assignment. Now, that means <laughs> when I walked into this place, I didn't walk alone. I didn't walk alone. You know, some of the some of the things you see in movies are people having like a picture of what the spiritual realm should be like but not knowing how to express it. Have you ever watched the movie Pokemon? Each human being had a what? <laughs> Who had supernatural powers and they could move with. They're just... <laughs> like I said, sometimes people are just trying to... But so when I walked in, I didn't walk alone. Because I don't move alone. When Michael walked in, he didn't walk alone. We don't know how he prays. We don't know what level God has elevated him to in the spirit. When Hazel over here walked in, she didn't walk alone. So now, when we've come to a gathering like this one, I aware that based on the different graces in this place, the different callings, the different destinies God is trying to preserve, the plans God has for that one, and that one, and that one, and that one, and that one, those plans to prosper them and not to harm them, those plans to give them a hope and a future, for purposes of that. Listen, when presidents gather, there is all sorts of security detail in the place because of the manner of people who have gathered. So can you imagine what happens when we all gather? Ladies and gentlemen, you may not know this, but I'm blessed to be in your presence. I don't know if you're getting my point. Let me, let me just show you two verses very quickly. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Sing. Okay. Let's make a deal. Three verses and I'm done. If it's a bonus, it's four. Three verses and I'm done. That's fine. Okay, let's go. Halamas al ikle estavrandos kelipre pariando lo crendes kelivra has ibre es kelefrahandos el crendes kelibre es ontekehibe 
Aparient Libra as Kefe Hesie. Psalms 22, verse 22. Psalms 22, verse 22. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Won't you sing hallelujah to the Lord? Hey. It says, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Declare his name in the presence of your brethren right now. Just do so. Shout out what his name means to you. Shout out his name. Shout out his name. I'm going to show you another one. Psalms 138 verse 1 Notice the first one was directly Won't you sing hallelujah Psalm 138 and verse 1 are you ready for that one? Okay. Jesus is the king of He's the king of He's the lord of He's the god of Okay. Psalm 42 verse 1 to 4 and then we we'll end with Psalm 138 because that one is at a higher level. Psalm 42, verse 1 to 4. This one, you'll know it. Uh, what song comes to your mind? You can read it. Uh -huh. Are you seeing the different generations? So one group is, hey. One group is, as a deer. The other one is, as a deer, it's full water. So. Then there's one in the middle. Just as a deer. Okay, fine. So now, in case you didn't know it's in the Bible. So now, <laughs> it says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O oh God. Uh -huh. Now, panting is not like, but, like it's like, like a desperate. And it says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And notice the question he says, When shall I come and appear before God? Now, God is always with you, right? But he's asking, when shall I come and appear before God? And notice the very next verse. He, he, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. Oh, they continually say to me, where is your God? But look at verse 4. What was he remembering? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. That's the congregation. I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Notice, there was something glorious about the fact that he was with the multitude. He was with the others. He wasn't remembering going to the temple alone, but there was the congregation. There was the multitude. 
Psalm 138, verse 1. I will praise you with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. Who are those gods? Do you think it's Zeus? No, who, who are the gods he's talking about? Who are the, so he's saying before the gods, I'll sing praises to you. In short, before the blessed congregation. That's how highly esteemed they are. Now I said three or four. So the first one. Our main text as a church. Hebrews 12. I'm thinking you don't know what you come to when you come to church. You're not coming to Medellin Business Park. Let me tell you what you come to when you come to church. You come to Mount Zion. No. <laughs> Hold on. Let me read it again. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion. Ask your neighbor, you know what Mount Zion looks like? You're looking at it. And then not only that, it says, unto the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable company of angels. So you're not alone here. Elisha. <laughs> Elisha's servant. Elisha's servant. It was very interesting. Elisha's servant sees all the human beings, the soldiers who had come against him. Elisha was like, Lord, open his eyes. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Do you know how many angels are seated in this place? And then notice what else it says. Uh-huh. Go on. To the general assembly. What's the, where, where is the general assembly right now? This one. The church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. When they call out names in heaven, you, your name is there. To God, the judge of all. Now, this is the part people don't know. But maybe this one I should leave it. Maybe this one I should leave it. Are you aware that when we're in a meeting like this, <laughs> do you know that curtains of heaven are opened in such meetings? The Bible says we've got a great cloud of witnesses. Do you know curtains are opened in such meetings? There are just some things I've never shared. Are you aware that there are some, there are some, there are some sermons which we teach and in heaven Paul is like, yeah, that's right. That's, I remember writing that. And Isaiah is like, ha, they're quoting my prophecy again. <laughs> Why? Because we have come to the spirit of just men made perfect. That should help someone who thinks their loved one never witnessed their graduation. It says to the spirits of just men made perfect. They are a cloud of great witnesses except they can't come play on the pitch with us. They understand saying, I read my part. It's your turn. Come on. You can do this. Next verse. <laughs> And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaks better things than that of Abel. Aids and gentlemen, when you gather like this, just by the fact that you chose to gather, just by the fact that you chose to came, just by the fact that you chose to acknowledge that for those who are watching virtually, you put everything aside and said, I'm gathering with the city of the Lord Church right now. You have come to all this. Amen.
What a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.